1: New episode of I'm a Doctor, not a podcast, Cinema Geekly Star Trek podcast. It is the Chief Betty Officer, Anthony Lewis, along with the Fleet Admiral himself coming in over Bluetooth comms, Ben Knight.
0: Yeah, I'm afraid there's ionization in the atmosphere, which is um, yeah. disturbing uh, our comm signal, but we'll see how we do.
1: Yeah, hopefully hopefully it stays throughout the show. But we... I'll just reverse
0: the polarity, hold on.
1: Ah, that that always does the trick. There we go, to...
0: that's fine now, yeah, there we go.
1: That's a constant in all of sci fi, I think, the uh, reverse the polarity. I think I was. Well,
0: well, in Doctor Who, it came from the. Um, I think it was Pertwee who struggled with some of the very lengthy explanations that were given um, the sort of pseudoscience of uh, sci fi. And so he said, can I have a sort of stock phrase that I use that's simple for me to remember? And so the number of times that he, he talks about reversing the polarity, I th- it's been referenced loads of times. In fact, I think it was even. In uh, in this season of uh, of Who, not that we're talking about Who, but uh, no. that's why it figures so heavily there. It was it was a very deliberate decision because Pertwe we couldn't get his head around uh, some of the yeah. uh, pronouncements.
1: I mean, there's got to be an example of somebody who's inverted the polarity. There has to be one of those. Um, I would imagine so. I don't recall ever hearing it, but think somebody would have thought of it. Okay, I'm so, going to find one whilst we're doing this. <laughs> uh, so, as Ben and I are talking, Season 2 of Star Trek Discovery is going to be airing uh, January 19th? Yeah, I think so. I, that may be incorrect, but it's coming. It's coming soon. Uh, what we're going to talk about today are the first two short treks, these, like, uh, these little mini webisodes, that uh, the Star Trek Discovery team has put together and released. Uh, as we're talking, the third one has been released, but I haven't seen it yet. And we're gonna Neither. do a we're gonna do another podcast, a third and the fourth, and we're gonna do that right before the new season launches and talk about uh, you know what we're what we're hoping to see. But uh, Ben, before we get a chance to talk about the short tracks, there is no small amount of news. About this is
0: true. There's tons
1: Star Trek on CBS. Tons of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I just read. I mean, I don't actually know how old this news is. Uh, uh, this oh, this is from yesterday. That uh, Anson Mount, who's playing Captain Pike on Discovery uh, yeah. season two, has revealed that the show has been extended to 14 episodes for this season, which. Yay. I think is one more episode than last season. Did they only do thirteen? I actually don't remember how many episodes they did. I think it was. They 13. did
0: <laughs> that many. I don't know. Ah, yes. Uh, I'll, I'll look it up whilst I
1: speak to you. That sounds precise. But uh, yeah, they announced that they've added one more episode to the season. So that's something a little more to look forward. I mean, does that? I'm presuming that means that they've already either filmed this episode and they're just making the announcement. It seems weird to me that they would wrap shooting on the show and then be like, We're gonna make another episode.
0: Yeah, I know, that would cost too much. So season one had fifteen episodes.
1: Oh, interesting. So they're doing one less episode this season then.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's because the uh you had the, the first sort of two pre episodes yes. or whatever, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh so barring that, uh there actually in order you probably should mention one more thing that is Strictly Discovery-related. If, for those of you so inclined, I know a lot of the kids these days like their their media digital, but Star Trek Discovery Season 1 has been released on Blu-ray HD. It is not... Not in 4K, not UHD. Not in 4K, UHD. Uh, However, as somebody who does own and takes great pride in owning all of the Star Trek that I consider to be canon, not looking at you, Star Trek, the animated series. uh, I can't wait to actually get this because I've watched it on CBS all access. And uh, there's two things where, I mean, number one, I just like physical media uh, when it comes to my movies and TV shows. But, the, uh, the things that are really going to work for me is, as I said, I watched this on CBS All Access, and the audio is going to be a lot better in this because CBS All Access did not support uh, 5.1 surround sound. It's, uh, the show sounded good, but I would wager it sounds a lot better when you're playing it on Blu-ray with 5.1 surround, and we have surround sound in our in our living space. I imagine the show will sound a lot better and on top of that it's going to look a lot better. Uh at least for somebody who's watching on CBS All Access that was a baby service that was just growing the video quality would even when you're getting it at its peak video quality uh it would at first it was only streaming at about 720p and yeah. which can look fine we don't have a gigantic television um, it's not small either, but it, for the most part it looked fine, but then you're also talking about compression and then if you've got any uh, wavering in your your bandwidth, you're going to see uh, picture quality drops. This is going to be pure 1080p beautiful picture quality goodness throughout. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm really excited, and apparently there's some good special features and things like that. They look like the Kind of the standard special features with some deleted scenes, uh, and things like that. So uh, it sounds like there's they could have added more bonus features, but everybody kind of always says that.
0: Well, there'll be a further release right there with the the 4K UHD version at some stage, but uh, mm-hmm.
1: I'm excited to make the money. Yeah, I'm excited, and I don't have a 4K TV right now, so I haven't made the. Move to upgrade to anything. So this is definitely going to be a, a purchase for me. Mm. So I'm, hap- I'm, happy oh, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy.
0: I'm to hold on. Uh, I I think I'll wait for the 4K edition when it eventually arrives.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's talk about the world surrounding Star Trek Discovery, real quick. We mentioned uh, some time ago that they were going to be doing this whole Star Trek universe expansion. On CBS All Access, and there's, it started out small with like the the trickles of information, right? The rumors about what was going to be possibly happening, as far as a show. There were the rumors of Patrick Stewart, like oh he might come back. There was talks about a, a con miniseries. There's talks about an animated show. Uh, a few other things that were very vague. Rumors at the time, but now, here at the end of tw- uh, 2018, Ben, a lot of this stuff is being talked about in far more uh, clarity than previous. Uh, obviously, Patrick it's getting Stewart- very real all
0: of a sudden, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, Patrick Stewart has, I mean, we, we, I think we did get a chance to talk about the fact that Patrick Stewart, that thing was already, annu- like, it, it's been announced and it's a show that's happening, but, uh, it was announced by Alex Kurtzman and New York comic-con that the show is premiering at the end of 2019. So th- yeah. I'll be honest. I think that's quicker than most people would have assumed.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not surprised. I mean, it's keeping the momentum going. That's, that's the point. And you know, this is, they're, they're betting the farm on the show. So they, they need to make sure that they don't let the, uh, Uh, the second season of Discovery have an impact on it um, negatively in case it does. They need to make sure that, um, you know, while you've still got someone like that on board, you've got to keep them on board, haven't you?
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, I I think it's just largely because we were seeing the announcement came and then after that there was like, oh, there's a writer's room photo and like uh, Patrick Stewart's like a part of the, the, the creative team. But to go from that to like, oh, the show is going to premiere by the end of twenty nineteen. Yeah, they're getting to work on this thing really quick. Uh, yeah, I
0: mean, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be um, n- not too technologically advanced. I mean that they're they're still going to be spending the majority of their money on this on Discovery, so um, yeah, I, I'd expect them to be keeping the initial parts of it fairly simple.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm. I mean obviously very excited for this. Uh <laughs> I, I as I imagine you are as well. Uh Just a bit.
0: What I'm not excited for is all of the uh all, all of the stuff that's going kind to of surround it of people, you know, saying, "Oh, ditch discovery. I want more of this show and blah blah blah."
1: Oh, there will uh, undoubtedly be a lot of that.
0: Yeah. That's uh, coming.
1: I mean another thing that came to fruition that we didn't have a chance to talk about was the rumored animated show is not a rumor anymore. It's uh, for, for reals happening it's got a name. We know who's making it. Yeah. Uh, and we know a little bit more about it. So it's going to be called Star Trek Lower Decks. It's going to be uh, It's created by Mike McMahon who is from Rick and Morty. I think he was the lead writer for that show. Mm-hmm. And we know that it's got a two-season order already. So <laughs> the higher-ups there are obviously very high up on this. I've never seen Rick and Morty. So I have,
0: I... and I'll go on record and say I just don't like it. But I know that I'm in a, probably in a minority amongst our listeners, and I accept that I just don't get it I, I i can't imagine that this show is going to be uh anything like rick and morty or, or i sincerely hope not anyway
1: no um, i don't imagine it would be either although i have a feeling it might be in that well it doesn't necessarily he was the lead writer it doesn't mean he was the lead animator i was like i wonder if it'll be in the animation style but
0: oh that's not really the thing i'd have a problem with i think the problem i have with rick and morty is it's it's just incessant shouting mm-hmm a joke isn't funnier because you're shouting it um it's anyway sorry this is kind of turn into me critiquing that when you, when you heard the name of this uh, below what was it below what was it below deck
1: below decks yes
0: yeah lower decks lower decks that's it I, I just i got a titanic reference in my head and all i could think of was <laughs> paint me like one of your klingon girls <laughs> oh no yeah it's it's unfortunate i'm not sure about lower decks it sounds like a <laughs> so, sounds like an adult movie from the nineteen nineties.
1: Uh, well, I'm okay. So we're gonna get a we're gonna get at least a taste of his writing style. McMahon wrote the upcoming Harry mudd centric short trek uh, that will be the the final short trek uh, to air. He wrote that one, and he is a, a lifelong fan of Star Trek. In twenty fifteen, he published Warped, an engaging guide to the never aired eighth season. Which arose from his parody Twitter account uh, at TNG underscore S8, where he sort of mused about uh, potential eighth uh, season episodes of Star Trek with some comedic twinges on them.
0: Some of it was quite funny, actually. I remember that.
1: Hmm. Uh, Mine as well. So uh, this is the the Alex Kurtzman quote that's been going around about him, saying that Mike won our hearts in his first sentence, which was. I want to do a show about the people who pull the yellow cartridge in the food replicator so a banana can come out on the other end. (laughs) Uh, You know, he wants to do a show about the, I mean, and we've talked about this sort of thing before, like they've done episodes, they've done lower deck type episodes of Star Trek, focusing on these very, very, very background characters, and I think they've only done it a couple of times. They, they did one famously in TNG, and they also did one in Voyager as well, and I recall them both being pretty interesting episodes.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know whether it's got a whole um, series in it, but yeah. well, who knows? Who
1: knows? Yeah. Uh, his, he has a cat named Riker, so I don't know if that has any points for you or not, Ben. Uh
0: <laughs> I wonder if his cut does the Reichen maneuver?
1: <laughs> Maybe he did name his son Sagan, which is not necessarily Star Trek related, <laughs> but it is definitely science related. Right. Uh, Kurtzman says that he's brilliantly funny, knows every inch of every track episode, uh, and he says that he writes with the pure joyful heart of a true fan. Uh, so they seem very excited, and I mean, I've got a I've got a sword past with animated Star Trek. So I, as I just mentioned, maybe minutes ago on this podcast, I don't consider the animated series to be canon. Uh, I know there are some people who definitely do. For me, it's just a a trick of the mind to separate animation from from live action. But uh, that and they just did a bunch of weird shit on that animated show. Like somewhere
0: they're sh- they shaking themselves free of the constraints of live action.
1: That's right, Ben. Somewhere in the um, universe common sense and somewhere in the un- Somewhere in the universe, there's a gigantic Spock out there. <laughs> and they had personal force fields. Uh, the holodeck did come from there, I believe, but yep. there's a lot of other weird stuff that happened in that show. <laughs> so I don't know how canon this is gonna be, but it doesn't mean it couldn't be fun. And I'm genuinely curious to at least, you know, it's Star Trek. So I'm going to give it a shot. I have watched the animated series. I just gave it a watch once through and I was like, okay, well, moving on. <laughs> so uh, it's maybe the only thing of Star Trek that I've never really gone back to. But, you know, that doesn't mean I'm going to dismiss this out of hand. Uh, I'll definitely yeah, give it a course, shot.
0: Yeah. I was about to say, all, all of us will watch it, I'm sure. But um, I'm, cur- I'm curious. to say, this- I- Go ahead. I was just gonna say, I I just I think it's a bold move to have bought two seasons of it, but mm-hmm. I'm guessing that that's how they how they're phrasing it. I'm guessing they bought x number of episodes, and to make an animation worth creating a studio to create it, you 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 can't buy a few episodes. You've actually no. got to commit a bit. So yeah, eh, we'll see. I'm I'm not expecting great things. I've got a kind of in mind an almost parody, a, a kind of animated version of the Orville is what I'm picturing coming.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, maybe. Which, by the way, the Orville is coming back at the beginning of... Is that coming back at the beginning of January as well?
0: I believe so. I think originally it was... Excuse me. Sorry. Um, I think originally it was supposed to be uh, December, and then it got moved back to January. It
1: did, yeah. Oh, that's okay. I get all of my Star Trek or Star Trek-related content all at the same time. I'm okay with this. Me Uh, too. So this kind of goes more into the... Uh, not necessarily confirmed, but in more rumor status, this is originally from a Deadline article. But Michelle Yeoh is in talks for a spin off Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Section 31 series. Yeah. I would be kind of interested in this too. Well, I mean, first, she was really enjoyable in Discovery, and even <clears throat> Mirror Universe, uh, Michelle Yeoh was, uh, you know, Emperor, Emperor Georgiou, Empress Georgiou. She was excellent as well, and I always think it would be fun to dive more into Section 31. I really enjoyed the deeper dives they did in Deep Space Nine into Section 31 stuff, and I think this would be a lot of fun. I don't, I don't know, where do you, where do yeah. you sit on this? Is, the, is there too much Star Trek being bandied about right
0: now? <laughs> I think that's the risk. She, I mean, she's good in as a character in the audiobooks as well. Um, I would say that whilst I'm very keen for that to happen, on one hand, I think maybe mini series rather than series, or go the other direction, and um, maybe save that up for the first movie from this franchise. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. seems too good to blow on... a a sort of competing parallel series yeah. Um, and Star Trek does not have a good history of running parallel series it's only done it uh, once in any earnest sense and that did not do great in terms of overall ratings and things so um, mm, I don't know but you know whatever I mean I can't pretend I'm not absolutely thrilled at the idea of her having a longer tenancy so Um, good for her
1: they did release an official season two trailer, a longer trailer, but I don't want to talk about it on this episode. We can maybe save that for the, the next couple of short tracks when we're kind of doing like our preview of what we're going to expect in season two. But, uh, like Michelle Yode had posted pictures, uh, of herself on Instagram in costume that says section 31 or she, you know, that's the, what she, the text she posted along with the image, Uh, Which led people to think that, oh, maybe this is in relation to them doing the show. But I'm pretty sure, I think via the trailers, that she does show up in season two of Discovery. So that could just mean, you know, here's a picture from the show. Uh, The Star Trek Discovery show, not the Section 31 show. So uh, CBS has not commented on... uh, It was noted here that CBS has not commented on the report from Deadline. And there have not been any other corroborating stories from, like, Hollywood Reporter or Variety. This is still uh, just from deadline sources. But, uh, way back in August, the CBS executive VP for original content, Julie McNamara, not only confirmed that they were considering Discovery spinoffs, but said that one headed by Michelle Yeoh had been discussed already. So, it's still possible that it might happen, and they just aren't ready to announce it yet. So... It could be like yeah. a thing that they announce after season two or who knows. I I mean I'd be interested, obviously, you do have to be careful, though, to not oversaturate things. Uh last last little bit of news, Nick Meyer gave an update on the con mini series. Uh and basically thing I'm
0: least excited about, I have to say.
1: Yeah, so did you read this? Because it doesn't sound particularly fascinating either. But he just comes out, he just comes right out and says it here. Uh, in an interview for the YouTube channel Midnight's Edge, Meyer said, I was commissioned to write a three-hour or three-night event. That's what I did. It's called SETI Alpha 5. I don't know the current status. It's been up in the air. Partially, there was a lot of confusion between CBS, and there were some big upheavals at CBS well. They sort of didn't know who was in charge. Uh, they, I think he might actually be talking about the kind of political battle between CBS and Viacom over the yeah. TV rights and the movie rights and who gets to use what. Uh, uh, they also don't know what they were going to do with SETI Alpha 5. I'm not exactly sure what's happened. I haven't heard from them in some time. Uh, he also notes that... Uh, like his involvement on Discovery, so obviously he was credited as uh, I can't remember what he was credited at, like an executive producer or something like that. Uh, he says I was involved in it for the first year and I worked on it. I wrote things, and then I was not invited for the second season. I'm not yeah. sure why. Uh, he says that he was brought on, brought into it by Brian Fuller originally. I mean that might be why because uh, he was brought in by the guy who didn't even end up making the show, and then they cleared out I was going to
0: say, yeah, I mean, it's fairly obvious, I think, what happened. He was part of a, a different... Regime. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh,
1: he says, I'd never worked on a TV series before and thought it would be interesting, uh, and it was. Uh, what my contributions to the show are hard to determine, because television is a group effort, and there is so much overlap that I can't either claim or refute credit for the end result, because the difference between what is written, what gets filmed, and what gets talked about in conference rooms uh, are very hard to determine and are very different. It's, I uh,
0: think that's quite a grown-up attitude. He's basically saying, don't worry, no one's getting sued here. Uh, we all had ideas, and, you know, he's... Yeah, I think he was being quite grown-up in his comments about this, actually.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know... Like a three-hour, it'd be essentially. It sounds like it would be like a three-hour con movie, like a mini-series. Uh, and and the title of it makes it sound like it would be, you know, taking place after Star Trek Two, uh, or or maybe it would be taking place after Space Seed. And we see the things that lead to SETI Alpha Five becoming what it is. I mean, you could do something interesting with that. Yeah. I mean, with only three hours of investment, like I feel like I could do that. But at the same time, I'm also not really sure how much people are clamoring for that. I think
0: that's the thing, isn't it? I is this? Yeah, I, I don't really see lots of people hoping that that's the thing that gets the attention. I I, I really don't know what their strategy is at the moment, and it troubles me a bit because a, a, a rudderless. Um, uh franchise is is every bit as bad as a non-existent franchise in the sense that you know neither of them ends well so yeah i i would like to see a little bit more coherency in the uh um direction that they're pulling and maybe you know all you know marvel and people like that are all into roadmaps aren't they now yeah. um, maybe a roadmap for the star trek universe or universes would be a good idea at this stage uh, and maybe disclose it so that people stop panicking um Mm -hmm. Because at the minute, there's every reason for people to panic, I think. Yeah.
1: Um, Okay, so let's talk about these two short tracks. They're both short, uh, so the names are apt. Uh, I believe that they're both in and around the 12 to 15 minute mark. Yeah. I want to say.
0: Yeah, I've got the run times here. 10 minutes for Runaway and 10 minutes for Calypso, in fact.
1: Okay, so let's talk about short track number one. Runaway, uh, which is a Tilly-related short. A Tilly-sode, as I like to call it. A Tilly-sode. So she's talking to her overbearing mother, and Tilly hates her guts, uh, or at least hates how she talks to her. Yeah. Uh, That sort of thing. She goes to the mess hall to to grab some lunch, uh, and some things happen, uh, some lights flicker and junk, and then the food dispensers start launching crap everywhere. It's a a nightmare scenario. She meets the alien who is causing all of this, a Zahean, whose name I'm not going to try to pronounce here. Uh, They call her Poe for short uh, in the episode. And she is a runaway, but not just any runaway, Ben. She's like the... Princess or the the queen or something yeah. she's a, she's a princess yeah the zahians are a race that had just been admitted to the Federation they're very new and they were admitted because of their well I mean obviously because of their advancements in space technology but also uh, Poe has figured out how to recrystallize dilithium which is something that was unheard of prior to this. And obviously anybody who watches like next gen, these are all concepts that have been brought up time and time again about uh, recrystallizing dilithium while they're in the chamber. Even Ben, Mm. it's amazing technology living in the future in the future. Uh, But the reason she's doing this is because on her planet, dilithium grows naturally and it's unclear. It sounds like her, her people and her planet are connected but then at times it felt like it was just her and her planet were connected uh but she wanted yeah. to recrystallize the dilith- the, the uh, dilithium because it gets mined for warp drive and this is a way to you know recrystallizing it so they don't have to keep you know raiding her planet for it uh yeah. that sort of thing and Tilly uh, realizes she's a little bit more like she sounds like her mother than you know when it comes to talking to a kid. Uh, she kind of realizes something about parenting. Helps this Poe girl. Apparently beams her back into space. I don't know where she beamed her to. I wasn't uh, really clear about that. It's very weird, but I, we are to believe she beamed her back home. Uh, wh- what did you make of this? It's only ten minutes, so there's not a whole bunch to digest.
0: No, um, I was I, my favorite line is clearly her explanation, uh, Tilly's explanation to the others when they walk into the mess hall and see the mess. She says, uh, "There was a hormonal space rabbit. He escaped from the lab, and then he got loose in here. He's got mood swings." <laughs> I enjoyed that line. Um, well, I, I like the concept of these. I like. I thought they spent more money on this mini episode than. I was expecting them to do to have done the same with Calypso, actually, which we'll come to. But um, I, I, it was nice to see a bit more of Tilly. I think uh, did we did we have some more language in this episode? I think we did, didn't we?
1: I believe so.
0: I can't remember what the what, what word it was, but um, uh, I think it was I, a I, holy I, 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 shit
1: when she. That's right. That's uh, when she when Poe revealed that she invented a thing to recrystallize. Delithium, yeah, yeah.
0: Which you know, in the year that's set, holy shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm i have never been comfortable with the uh, the whole sort of being gets onto spaceship by flying through space and then getting onto a spaceship thing, because being that flies through space of its own accord has no real need of a spaceship. Yeah. Um, even as hiding place, because space, as we've heard in the past, is big. I mean, very big, very big. Yeah, you have no idea Um, how big it is. Exactly. I I like it. I I like the uh, Zayens. I like. uh, I mean, Tilly is is fun. I I do hope they resist the urge to turn her into too much of a comedy character going forward. But I will say this: Um, I think Mary Wiseman is she's got a sort of charm that means that she can pull the comedy off and then sort yes. of switch to a bit of intensity yes. in a way that it's something that Star Trek actors, the good ones, the ones you remember, mm-hmm. um, most of them have that ability and it's yep. lacking in some shows. Yep. Um, I, I enjoyed it. As you say, there's not, uh, <laughs> there's not a, a huge um, amount to dissect from it all, but uh, yeah, you can you know, I found it interesting that she was doing the, um, what to call it, uh, training, the, uh, the, the the command training program. Yes. Or was talking about it. I mean, obviously, I guess you know in her career that that is what she would be doing but mm-hmm. um, it's it's a little bit of colouring in, it's a little bit of yep. telling us stuff. Um, I also like the fact it was in a different aspect ratio than the series, at least it, mm-hmm. it seemed to be on the way it was broadcast here anyway. Um, and it, it kind of suited it. I, I just like the whole style of it. I have to say, I I enjoyed it. I wasn't really sure what I made of um, uh, Poe's... Uh, I can't remember if it was a year or something, rather the actress, I can't remember her name. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what I made of her performance, but then, again, she struck me as... You know in science fiction in particular will hire a dancer instead of an actor to do a certain role? Yeah. Uh, I do wonder, because I don't really know what else she's been in, I do wonder whether maybe she is a dancer rather than an actor i think the only thing i know that she's been in before was um uh supernatural because she was the one who was supposed to be in wayward sisters which was the Ah, the spin-off show um yeah so i i I know that's been binned it was binned earlier on this year but um, that's literally the only thing i know her from so yeah anyway there you go yeah it was good that
1: I liked it. Uh, you can't, uh, I mean, this is the lesson I learned in this short, but then I really learned it in the next short so that you can't think about these too much, which is not easy for me yeah. because I'm one of those star Trek fans that really likes to think about star Trek in depth sometimes. And like the, all of my thoughts were like, Tilly just discovered this runaway alien she didn't talk to any superiors. None. Was, she didn't call Burnham. She didn't call Saru. She didn't call anybody. Damn, it's nobody.
0: For <laughs> no good reason that I could particularly tell. I mean, I know she gave an explanation of sorts, but... I, I,
1: it was like she'd found... It was like E.T., where, like, Elliot keeps E.T. hidden from everyone. Yeah. Uh, Except in this case, this would this would be like ET if Elliot managed to safely get ET home and nobody ever knew ET was there to begin with. Uh, <laughs> is essentially what this was. Uh, I, but you're right. I love I love Mary Wiseman. She's tremendous. She was a lot of fun. I liked the one of the first things in this episode was the computer giving her sass about ordering oh, yes. a cup of coffee, and the computer was about to chastise her about that you know, that amount of caffeine and she cuts off the
0: espresso or something.
1: Yeah. She, the computer is like that amount of caffeine until he cuts off the computer and says, makes me happy. Now give it. (laughs) I thought that was awesome. And then
0: then she releases the espresso from her expectations of it.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Which I thought was quite nice.
1: She's, she's excellent. Uh, you know, the, uh, uh, I, I just thought it was great. And it's actually fun to go back and listen to the computer spouting off all of the things it's tossing out of the dispenser as it's launched. That
0: was excellent.
1: Yeah. It's like burrito. Uh, there's a list,
0: yeah, there's a list somewhere online of all the things that are identified. <laughs> I, I, can't, I was trying to find it just now and I can't find it. But um, yeah, that, that was fun. That was the, a lot of fun.
1: It's a lot of fun. And if you don't... Uh, I mean, there's a good story and there's, there's a little bit of Star Trek-y lore to it, the whole recrystallization of dilithium. We kind of know where that comes from, that sort of thing. And there's a little bit of advancement in Tilly's character. We know that she's going through the command training program and all of that stuff. Did Um, you not
0: find uh, this and um, Calypso were... I was was trying to find a word that encapsulated the first two, and I think whimsical is is what it is, because both of them have this... Sometimes melancholic, sometimes not, but they both have this kind of... um, it's designed to, it almost feels like it's designed to cheer you up mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that, which given the great big gap between seasons, you know, fair enough.
1: Sure. Uh, so what would you give, what would you give this 10 minutes of star Trek? Ben? <laughs>
0: um, I guess, uh, I, I, I kind of felt it was about three and a half. It, it, nothing mm-hmm. jumped out. It was enjoyable. Um, I don't think unless you somehow manage to deliver me ten minutes of unforgettable solid gold you're gonna get above a four four and a half of these so yeah three three and a half it was it was good fun um I enjoyed it but I, I i can't in all good conscience give it much more than that
1: no, I gave it a three and a half for the for the same reasons uh okay, so let's talk about this is the weird this is the weird short track. Because they're okay, so there are four of these, and they are all discovery-related, with the exception of this one, which is only related to discovery because they needed to use the sets of discovery to do this. Yeah, but it is another way. It is in in any other way completely unrelated. Uh, this first episode was about Tilly. The third one is about Saru. The fourth one is about mud so they're all discovery character centric except for this one uh this is so weird because i'm just going to say it right now i loved the story mhm but this could have been anything this could have been twilight zone this could have been outer I limits had to set
0: that's why it had well let's start with, let's start with this like what did you feel about the decision to set this um, further in the future of uh, of Star Trek than has ever been done. What I mean?
1: Well, I feel like they had to do this, uh, even though it completely breaks my brain. Uh, trying to again, if you think about any of this for too much, it, it will break your brain. Sure. Uh, I feel like I could be wrong. This is a story by Sean Cochran and Michael. Cabone, Chabone. Um, I'm not sure yeah. how to pronounce the last name. Uh, I either. I feel like these two guys had an idea for a story, and everyone loved it. They're like, "Oh, that sounds beautiful and fantastic." How can I got we the think they're
0: also playing with a bit of um, CG here? I think someone may have come up with that idea and thought, "Hey, how can we use it a bit as oh, well?" Oh,
1: yes, because they did do some actually really gorgeous CG uh, VR type of, um, I don't know, like there's that, a
0: mixture of a couple of different types of, of technology, technology that yes. I, I thought worked really well together. Uh,
1: so I think they had these ideas and then like, okay, well, it's not related to any of our characters, mm-hmm. but we have to do it with the sets that we have. We don't have the budget or the money to build anything new. So what do we do? And mm-hmm. then the idea is like, well, we'll just set it in a different time and it can't be before discovery happened. They need the ship. So, uh, it needs to be, you know, Oh, okay. Well, if we just fling it into some far off future, it'll be so detached from discovery that, you know, the only problem with that is, uh, the whole premise is that the USS discovery has been drifting in space for a thousand years. Mm. And it looks brand new, just with a layer of dust on it. Like, it does not look like a ship that's seen a thousand years of space wear and tear or anything like that. Uh, You know, what happened to the crew? How could it be there for a thousand years? Like, you could maybe answer this, but this is a short. This is a webisode uh, full of whimsy and wonder, I'm pretty sure they're never going to go back to this and explain how the ship ends up abandoned, floating for 1,000 years.
0: Oh, there'll be a reference to it in Discovery at some point. Maybe. Perhaps. At some stage. Or or maybe in the uh, Section 31 spin-off series. This will get mentioned somewhere.
1: Yeah. Uh, if somebody was trying to figure out, like, oh, maybe it was time travel or something. But, I mean, no, the computer very clearly states that it's been waiting for 1,000 years. The crew left, apparently they all left, and they're like, hey, we'll be right back, and then they never came back, and the ship's just yeah. been waiting there. Um, all of that seems really hard to believe, and it seems like the stuff that they had to make up to set it in this universe so that they could use the sets. Uh, which is a shame, yeah. because that's the stuff that like takes me out of it the most. The actual story itself, I thought, was beautiful, so we should talk about it a little bit. Uh, so the ship, somehow, some way, for whatever reason, has been drifting in space for 1,000 years. The computer has evolved over this time. Uh, it's now become sentient, and it has named itself Zora. She retrieves a passing escape pod carrying a man named Croft. Zora reveals that she has been ordered to hold her current position, uh as she has done so for the past millennium. Zora initially keeps Croft aboard the ship. Uh she wants company, essentially, and is sort of beginning to fall in love with him. Uh we learn a little bit about uh it's Kraft actually, isn't it? It's not Croft. Yeah, Craft. I keep keep thinking of it's Zora and I keep thinking of Zora Croft, like Lara Croft. (laughs) It's not Craft. His name is Craft. Okay. Uh I I don't know why my brain went there. Uh we learned some we learn some bits about him. He seems human, but uh maybe like a spin-off of humans or whatever, because he's at war and we see him like watching a what is it, like a cartoon or something? Like um It's on watching
0: uh he's watching Betty Boop. Yeah,
1: on a loop. Betty Boop on yeah. a loop. Uh and it's, you're welcome, everyone. The a going of blow to the head today. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. Uh, he says that this is like something the enemy watched, or something, or they love the they love the past, or something like that. It sounds like his humans are at war with the other humans, or but, something. Well,
0: his his, his humans are at war with the uh, the, the Dresh, the, the people who built the escape pod that he was in. Uh, uh, he's from he was from Alcor 4.
1: Alcor 4. Uh,
0: yes. Which is yeah, so um <laughs> I mean the thing is an awful lot of that. There are some deep dives there if you dig around deep enough in uh, in Star Trek lore you will find references to these things but yeah, some, um some people believe Souls is from uh, is from Alcor 4, you remember? No. And oh and the Sorrowhawk as well.
1: So some people think that the whatever the the Dresh or whatever the name of the bad guys are is like some long mutilated uh twisted around version of the Federation like even the name itself came from Federation or something along those lines yeah um, so they're suggesting that a, a thousand years after Discovery well past the point in time of Voyager and etc etc cetera. Et cetera that Mm. the Federation goes bad, something bad happens, which actually is interesting. Whether or not something like that ever gets touched on again, who knows? So back to the story, um, he kind of falls for her a little bit. It's very much like her, if you've ever seen that movie, with Mm. uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson, where he falls in love with an AI. Uh, But uh, he eventually wants to go home, and Zora lets him take Discovery's last shuttle to return to his home uh, on Alcor 4. So, I, I guess Ben, for a, before you talk about your your feelings on it, talk a little bit about the the CG thing that they did because that was very integral to the story.
0: Yeah. So, um, everyone listening to this will have seen this, of course, but the um, the splicing in of uh, so, so Zora says that funny face uh, that. Hepburn movie is um, her favorite movie. And mm-hmm. so they they just become buddies. There's some fantastic uh, time-lapse stuff in there. There's um, – oh, I mean, visually, it just looks like they, the, the visual team have just been allowed to play with whatever they want. But it culminates in this um, really quite beautiful dance scene, Yeah, <laughs> basically. On the bridge, yeah. Um, yeah, between uh, the avatar of Zora and Kraft um and it's uh, there's some of the little details in it that there's there's an awful lot in there that is that's clearly a a work of passion but the again this is what i say about the the sort of whimsy of the the previous episode as well um so some of the dialogue was some of it was corny some of it was you know a little bit shakespearean and so on mm-hmm. uh the exchange about um Craft on your world. If we were lovers, would you tell me your name, your true name? And he says, "If you, if we were lovers on my world, you would give me my true name." Yeah. And she says, "Oh well, then I already did." I mean, it. it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's corny as hell. But um, it. I don't know. I. I just thought there was something very um, human about this episode. It, yep. it, given that it's set uh, the furthest away from. Any timeline that they could pollute possible uh, yes. <laughs> on a set that was already built. Um, I think the, the sort of the joy of this comes from the fact that um, they. Uh, it, it doesn't matter when it's set. Correct. Because that scenario or some variation of it, it is effectively timeless. Yes. Um, I did read, incidentally, about the, the thing about why they were using the Discovery set. Uh, is to do with the CG possibly. This guy's a bit of a nerd working for a CG company in the UK and he was saying, yeah, they will have got um such accurate CG models for the bridge of discovery because of the uh holographic projector stuff they they've done for that in you know the communication systems and so on. Yeah. Um that you know everything that you see on that bridge is is already existing in a computer model. So it's not just the fact there's a set there, it's the fact that there's a set that is perfectly calibrated for um the sort of visual work that they were trying to do so mm-hmm. uh and it may be as well that some of this was a bit of an experiment to to see what they could do with the existing modeling and everything else so I I, I just found the whole thing very enjoyable and um the performance from Aldous Hodge uh, and from Annabelle Wallace who played Zora uh I, I thought both were excellent um mm-hmm. I'd have to say I think this was a stronger episode. If, if not, um, sorry, it, even if it was, probably the least Star Trekky of all episodes of Star Trek ever to have a Star Trek patch on the front of them. Yeah. Um, I would still challenge anyone to dislike it with any, you know, other than the usual. I don't like it because it's a different thing. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. I know there's, there's some. There's definitely some people who are like. No, this is totally Star Trek because you know the Star Trekiness of it is in the story, which I don't disagree with. But by that regard, any story of similar ilk could be considered Star Trek, even though they are clearly not Star Trek. It's some other sci-fi title, or uh, you know whatever the whatever the story may. I've seen countless sci-fi stories that have heart and are beautiful. Uh, and are lovely and send good messages, and you, you know, could very well be like that. Could be a Star Trek episode, uh, mm-hmm. but they're not a Star Trek episode. Uh, this didn't have any of the trappings of Star Trek to make it a Star Trek episode. They weren't Starfleet officers. They weren't uh, Klingons or Romulans or something. It was this could be literally if to me if you can take the characters and the story and transplant them to something else. Like, if you could make this work not on the USS Discovery or any Starfleet ship or anything, then it's not really Star Trek. It's just a good sci-fi story that they had Mm -hmm. to film on Star Trek sets because that's what they had to work with. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a great story, and I loved it. I I liked the thing that they did. Uh, You know, the whole thing all of the best scenes really revolve around the whole funny face movie, which Zora says is her favorite movie. And this Mm -hmm. weird technology that they use to kind of like paint the bridge with the background of the movie, but the characters themselves in the movie, the actors are 3d ish holograms. Yeah. uh, Walking around on what looks like the 2d backdrop of the movie. um, And it's plastered all over the bridge, I think is, it's very impressive. It was very impressive. And uh at the uh at the end when Kraft um uh, has Zora like imagine herself as a with a physical body and he has the you know, this this one last dance with her, like mm. in the in the movie like he takes the time to learn the dance from the movie and stuff to have the dance with her is incredibly sweet. And then when he leaves, like she stored his image, so she can like dance with him forever, even if he's not there, that sort of thing, which is sweet and yeah. sad. Uh, it was very touching. I liked it a lot. Um, I'm just gonna die on the hill that it wasn't necessarily a Star Trek episode, in so much as that it had nothing to do with Star Trek in mm-hmm. the in the traditional sense. There was no, there was nothing that expanded the universe or added to our knowledge of it necessarily. It, to me, I feel like some people would argue that there is some stuff because they're like, oh, that thing hints that it might be the Federation. There's a story there. Mm-hmm. And obviously Discovery, there's a story there with why it's there. But to me, and normally I would agree if I thought that they would come back to this, but I really don't think they're the ever going is... to come back
0: to this. Well, no, because the clue is it's it's uh, when it's set, uh... Um, the, as I say, you may get some reference late in the life of Discovery to, yeah. you know, someone will remember that that's how it ended up and, and so on, but yeah. I, I, yeah, it's not going to be a part of proper lore for the foreseeable future. Anything. No,
1: for me I feel like this will be something that sort of sits in some weird, like, outside of, outside of lore mm-hmm. uh, thing that has some weird middle ground like the animated mm-hmm. series for me I'll, yeah. I'll I'll cherry I'll cherry pick the parts of the animated series I like, and that stuff counts, like the holodeck, mm. but uh, or Robert April, or you know whatever else that came from the animated series. But the rest of it, I'm just gonna you know. So I'm I'm okay with this story happening, and I like the story. It just felt really weird, and it feels like it sticks out among the rest of these shorts. <laughs> it mm. really does. Just feel like they had a great idea and a cool idea to use some technology stuff. Uh, and they took advantage of the the CBS library uh, to do something. I I like it. It just, you know, it does feel like they couldn't have done it on anything other than the Star Trek sets. So I guess that's the thing that makes it Star Trek. I think he had a mug with a Starfleet insignia on it or something like that. But yeah. otherwise, you know. And and if you don't think about it, it's it's really good. If you think about it for more than a minute, like how could the ship be like this? Why is it so clean looking? Like, why does everything look still brand new? If uh, forget about all of that stuff. Though. Well, the ship can clean itself, probably. It's probably got scutters. Oh, you know what? It, yeah, it's got like Roombas or those, uh, I think Sharks no, got it. scutters a... from, uh, from Red Dwarf. There you go. Yeah, they just got a little cleany robots. Yeah, or maybe, maybe there's a, an equivalent of Crichton there. There you go. Yeah. Oh, all cool. taken care of. We yeah. fixed it. We did. They just aren't very good at dusting. Not good at dusting.
0: At some point, you'll see in the background, and you'll wonder how you missed it, you'll see in the background of an episode of Discovery, Crichton walking around with a feather duster, cutting um, <laughs> at people, getting a the booster,
1: and so on. Got to make sure these are dusted, everyone. You never know yes. when the ship is going to be abandoned for a thousand years. They'll just yes. sneak it into an episode. Uh, so what would you give Calypso, Ben?
0: Um... If I ignore the fact that it's supposed to be Star Trek, I give it a four. Mm. Uh, I just don't know. Can I... Avoid... Do you know what? I'm going to go with the instinct and say I am going to ignore the fact that it's not Star trek Star Trek yep. and say it's it's worth a four as a piece of art and it is within that universe and therefore we can only evaluate what's in front of us. So yep. I think it's worth a four.
1: That's what I did as well. I gave it a four and a quarter, in fact, under the mm. same under the same circumstances. I yeah. really liked it, and I would recommend people go out of their way to try to find it, because it's, it's really nice. It's a really good story, and it's amazing they were able to tell something so sweet and nice in ten minutes.
0: Mm, that's that's n- true, yeah.
1: not a lot of time, and they packed in quite a bit of story in that ten minutes. So good on them.
0: Actually, that's a very good point. Yeah, the, the, uh, the character investment was quite easy to get into there, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah.
1: Pretty good, all uh, all told. Uh, okay, so uh, before we get going, I thank the good people of Adam Tickets for sponsoring the show, as uh, they always do. CinemaGeekly.com slash Adam Tickets, or click the Adam Tickets link at the top of the page to pick yourself up some movie tickets or a gift card for the movie fan in your life. And uh, of course, while you're at the website, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Stitcher. Just search for I'm a Doctor, not a podcast and hit subscribe. Uh, That way you can hear us come back uh, sometime in the early days of January 2019, Ben. I think we'll try to squeeze this in. That uh, seems fair. To give our thoughts on uh, what we think we're going to get out of Discovery Season 2 and to talk about the last two short treks. Number three, The Brightest Star, and number four, The Escape Artist. Uh.